0: It's time for CBB 365 with your hosts, Adam Hipsky and Patrick Dallahan.
1: All right, we are back. College basketball season under 20 days until we get back into it. And this is our second season, which means that we're going to be bringing you guys conference previews. We do the Power Six. And to kick off our conference previews, what better Then probably the most competitive conference all last year, the bumper car conference out in the Midwest, the Big Ten. That's Adam's specialty, Adam's favorite conference, I'd say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, you got to expect – you mentioned the bumper car conference, and we touched on that a little bit last year, but I expect nothing different this year. I mean, last year you had Michigan and Illinois, two number one seeds, and then Iowa, who was a two seed – uh ohio state was also a two seed so i mean that big 10 conference was uh, easily the best in the country underperformed when it came time in march but uh a lot of returning talent uh some new faces uh, as coaches in this conference but nonetheless i still think it's probably going to be the best conference in college basketball again this time around uh and i think it starts with Uh, some familiar teams that we saw at the top and then maybe a couple new teams uh, that could slip their way into uh, the top that we might not have seen last year
1: with that being said i mean you kind of hit the nail on the head there let's get right to it um uh let's start with the let's start with the preseason favorites on all accounts let's start with your michigan wolverines uh they they bring in a great transfer class, excellent recruiting class, uh, number 1 in the country, number 1 or 2 in the country. I believe uh, they bring in Caleb Houston and uh, Musa Diabide. And they hit the transfer portal hard. They bring in a former Coastal Carolina guard Devontae Jones who is one of the best players in the in the in the Sun Belt last year. And they return Hunter Dickinson. They return Eli Brooks and they have all of these guys on this team that are so good. I personally don't see anyone like dethroning like not dethroning them but like knocking them off because they technically didn't win the Big 10 last year.
0: Yeah, I you you mentioned about it all. Uh Devonte Jones is going to be huge this year. Uh a grad transfer from Coastal Carolina. Uh had a great 4 years uh in Coastal Carolina. Was the Sun Belt player of the year last year. Uh so obviously he comes in as one of the best players in a really solid mid-major conference. Uh, And then you return one of the best players in the Big Ten last year all around, Hunter Dickinson, tested the NBA waters, decided that he was going to come back to school for another year. And then, you know, you have Eli Brooks, uh, who gives this team some much-needed experience since they lost uh, a ton last year. When you talk about Isaiah Livers being gone, Franz Wagner being gone, you know, those are two guys that, had been with the program.
1: even even Mike even uh, Mike Smith being gone. gone. He was only there for one year as a grad transfer from
0: Columbia, but I mean, he was great all last year. Yeah. So you bring back, uh, or excuse me, you bring back Hunter Dickinson, who has been around uh, for a year. Brandon Johns, who has been this is his senior year, so he's been uh, around the block a couple of times, and then you have Eli Brooks, who. Uh, you know, obviously was brought in under John B line and then has sticked with it, uh, throughout the Juwan Howard era. Uh, Juwan Howard continually gets better and better. Uh, he's entering his third season now. He's hitting his stride recruiting, uh, which I think is going to make his job a lot tougher this year because you have a loaded freshman class. Uh, you have, you know, you mentioned the two five stars with Houston and Diabita, but then you also have a couple of good four star guards. Kobe Bufkin and and Frankie Collins that, that just make his job a lot tougher. Uh, So I think that this team is really loaded this year. And there's a couple of teams that uh, you mentioned dethroning and I don't know if that's uh, what's, what's going to happen, but Michigan brings back, I think some, the most talent Uh, and then also obviously the best recruiting class. So, you know, you have Purdue and Purdue, Purdue is right there with bringing back the most talent. Obviously, Jay Nivey comes back, Trayvon Williams comes back. But when you talk about the combination of who's the most talented roster, who has the best freshman class coming in, uh, and combine that with who uh, has the most talent returning, I think it's Michigan. Uh, and it's going to be tough. Juan Howard seems like he's really uh, obviously got a good staff on hand uh, behind him. Sally Washington, Howard Isley, Phil Martelli—I mean, three great assistant coaches uh, right there on his on his right. side. So, I think Michigan's going to have another great year. Uh, Big Ten's going to be tough. I mean, there's a ton of teams that you know are not easy teams to beat, but uh, still, I think Michigan's in for another good year once again.
1: And yeah, I think an
0: interesting storyline
1: too for me at least that I'm going to keep a lot a lot. Like, keep tabs on pretty closely is, you know, Hunter Dickinson. He was obviously one of the best centers in all, in all of college basketball last year as a freshman, which is a really scary thought because last year in the Big Ten, you could say that he was uh, the second best center in the Big Ten last year as a freshman. Yeah. He was up there with the likes of Kofi Coburn and, and Luca Garza, who won player of the year basically unanimously, right? I like, he, I know everybody here voted him for player of the year for the CBB 365 player of the year. But um, like, like his talent and poise is off the charts. Like the, the ability to come in as an instant impact freshman and to have that much of an impact on a team. I don't want to compare him to freshman Anthony Davis, you know, cause that's a little much, but his impact was, uh, like, up there as far as, like, importance to to his team, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, is it kind of gets overshadowed. He had a great freshman year, but the first probably third of the season, he wasn't even starting. Uh, so he was uh, right. coming off the bench behind Austin Davis, so it took him a minute to get into the rotation. And uh, I think it's also overshadowed with how uh, – horrific the bigs in the Big Ten are I mean you have you talk about Luca Garza last year and he's really the only one that departs you still have Kofi Coburn EJ Liddell Travion Williams and Trey Jackson Davis I mean you're looking at the possibility since the Big Ten doesn't really do they're all conference teams by position you're looking at a potential all Big Ten conference team with five big men I mean the five big men are kind of the front runners right now as the top five guys in the Big Ten. I mean, Iodasumu's gone. Luka Garza, those were the two others that were in the first team last year, and they are now uh in the NBA.
1: And uh and um other guys that and
0: other guys that if they
1: stayed that would have been that would have made it like Joe Wieskamp, our guy, like would have been shoe in to make the first team all Big Ten this year.
0: And and another one that, that we'll talk about more when we get to his new conference is Marcus Carr. Marcus Carr was a third-team player last year, but mm-hmm. he transferred out of Minnesota. Now is at Texas, uh, and, and he was a potential conference player of the year, and, and he might be in the right – I mean, Texas is absolutely loaded, so it'll be interesting to see how he fits into that rotation. But, I mean, Marcus Carr had a good chance of being one of the best players in the conference this year and winning conference player of the year, but now he's out of the conference, so it'll be interesting to see – who kind of steps up there's not really a, a terrific guard that that is preseason all-american or anything that uh would would make you expect that uh, this guy could be a first team player this year which makes it wide open i mean the big men you know the big men talents there it's just what guards are going to step up i mean Jay ivy's right there uh, knocking on the doorstep we'll see what yeah what... I, was
1: just about, I was just about to say but um uh, speaking of Jaden ivy let's make our way to West Lafayette. Uh, Indiana. Let's talk about those Purdue Purdue Boilermakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Painter obviously brings in another great team. Uh, this team's got a lot of experience. They obviously got knocked out of the tournament very early last year, losing to a very strange North Texas team in mm-hmm. the first round of the tournament last year. But um, yeah, I, I think this team, if there's any team in the Big Ten that's going to give Michigan a run, it's 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 Purdue, in my opinion, because they have Jaden Ivey, who played extraordinarily well with Team USA this summer in FIBA. They have one of the best centers in the country. A guy that's that's been in my top fifty both last year and this year. He was in our top fifty last year as well. He was a top twenty player in our in our list last year, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, he he's an excellent center. Like you mentioned it, like Kofi Coburn, Trace Jackson, Davis. Uh, Hunter Dickinson and Travion Williams, like one of the best big men in the country, it, it, it is in West Lafayette, Indiana, with Purdue, and I think that they have the second best chance to win, win, win the Big Ten, both in the regular season and in the tournament.
0: Absolutely, and you talk about obviously the main guy, Travion Williams, comes back uh, for his senior season has a lot to improve on. I mean, you know how dominant he is in the low post, but once he works out to that high post, and especially now being a stretch by, which is so much more common uh, when you work on to the next level, uh, he still has a lot of room to improve there. You kind of saw him start to kind of stretch his game out uh, towards into March, but still uh, a lot of room to grow in that aspect. But Trayvon Williams uh, is going to lead the Big Ten this year, and he's my pick for player of the year. We'll get into that more later. Uh, but I really like Trayvon Williams' game, as long as he continues to improve and makes himself tougher to guard, uh, kind of pulling himself out from from the low post. But uh, regardless, you take his, his post presence and what he can do uh, inside the paint and on the block, uh, nearly unguardable. Uh, I, there's not a single guy in the Big Ten uh, right now in a one-on-one matchup in the post that I would take over Trayvon Williams. I mean, Kofi Coburn's right there, but I, I really like Trayvon Williams. Uh, and then Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey's getting a ton of hype heading into this year. Uh, had a good freshman season. Still, I think, has a little bit of room to grow uh, heading into heading into his sophomore year. I mean, he averaged, uh, you know, just a little over 10 points a game last year, and he's got room to grow. I mean, that's obvious. Um, right, right kind of flirted with the NBA had a good summer uh, played with the FIBA U19 team uh, led the led the Americans to the gold in that uh, so I think you had a productive summer um, but in terms of everyone's talking about Purdue uh, you know top of Big Ten Final Four team this year and, and not that I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibilities but I just don't think that Purdue has it. Uh, you had a team that was a four seed last year, lost to North Texas, and I get it. You bring back Jaden and mm-hmm. you bring back Eric Hunter and Travion Williams, and there's a lot of talent that comes back, and they bring in a pretty solid freshman class, a couple of in-state guys uh, that were that were top 50. But at the end of the day, I think that when you compare this roster up to Michigan, can they go toe-to-toe? Absolutely but I still think Michigan has the edge on them. Uh, I really like Purdue. I think that they're another probably top four seed this year. Uh, Maybe even flirt with a top two seed. a lot. I don't know how much of an impact these freshmen are going to make. You talk about Caleb first and Trey Kaufman. I don't know how much of an impact these guys make. So when you take away the the freshmen, it's really all the returning talent, which they do have a lot of. We haven't even – Touched on Zach Eady, who is bound to have another big year.
1: Yeah, I was just about to say. Yeah, Zach
0: Zach Aday, like, been a lot of buzz
1: around him this offseason. Both John Rothstein and Jeff Goodman have both raved about how much he's improved, like, his both physically and skill wise, both in the low post, the high post. He's always been able to kind of shoot the three, like, a little bit, but they said, like, in his scrimmages and his workouts, he's been able to let it fly like at a, at a much improved ability. And he's like, what,
0: seven, three, seven, four. Yeah. No, I mean, I think Purdue is, is bound to to have a really solid season. Uh, Eric Hunter, uh, who's I thought played really well last year, especially towards the end of the year. I think that he can complement Jay Nivey really well. Travion Williams, I think will have a really big year. We obviously all already talked about that, but just comparing them to Michigan toe to toe, I still give the edge to the Wolverines, but we say a lot of times.
1: Right, I would too, because cause they're just so there's just so Michigan's just so deep. I mean, like Purdue just doesn't have that, you know. But I'm like, let's move on to their counterparts in Bloomington,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the Indiana Hoosiers. First year in the Mike Woodson era, you and I weren't too high on him coming into this season um we we didn't think that he'd do like an amazing job because he hasn't really been around the college games coming from the nba hammered the transfer portal this year mm. absolutely crushed it right in our face we we were both pretty upset about that but um you actually you met him
0: yesterday at a at, uh, barstool game day didn't you yeah I, I did i ran into him uh quick conversation but no, I think that I think that just kind of the vibe that I get from being in Bloomington this past weekend and kind of seeing uh what Indiana is, you know obviously coming off a couple of rough seasons, the Archie Miller era didn't go how they wanted it to whatsoever uh but I think that that what Mike Woodson has done has been overwhelmingly impressive uh when you talk about retaining his talent and then also bringing in. Uh, new guys. I mean, it, it wasn't, it, we knew it wasn't going to be easy. Uh, the only guy he really lost was Armand Franklin, which is a big knock. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Armand Franklin, I thought could have had a really big year, uh, but I mean, kept a lot of really talented guys in his program and then brought in a couple studs. I mean, Miller cop and Xavier Johnson, I think will make a huge impact this year. Uh, Xavier Johnson, I think is probably going to be one of the better guards in the big 10 uh, and then a, a freshman who I think has a really good chance to win even freshman player of the year. When you talk about his, his impact on a team. Uh, I don't know if he's the most talented freshman, but I think that the role that he's going to play on this Indian Hoosier squad is Tamar Bates. And I think that he can have a really, really solid year. Uh, so we'll see. Um, I really like what Mike Woodson's done. Uh, we talked, I mean, we were skeptical uh, heading into the year, but uh, yeah. We, were, we
1: we were beyond skeptical.
0: Yeah. But I mean, you know, Miller Kopp has been in the conference. He's seen the big 10 pace Jackson's seen the big 10. I mean, those are two guys that that you really want on your side when, when you go through uh, the stretch of a big 10, big 10 season. So uh, we'll see. Um, I, I like Indiana. I think that they'll definitely take a step up. I think they're a tournament team this year. Uh, I think that that they play harder under coach Woodson uh more so than than Archie Miller. I think Archie kind of lost that team uh heading down the stretch. Yeah, he
1: absolutely. Did.
0: Yeah. So uh I think I think that uh IU definitely takes a step up this year. I still probably see them in the in the top uh 6 range of the Big 10, I mean, I think they kind of flirt with that fifth or sixth spot, but I do think they take a massive mm-hmm. step up compared to last year. See, Grace Jackson Davis to me, I like
1: on paper, great player, like insane athlete, averaged 19 points a game last year. But I'm not gonna, like, I tweeted this a couple months ago. I'm not buying into the hype. I am not sold on him yet. Like, he's had two good years, but it's like, I'm, I'm just not sold. I mean, last year, picked to finish like second, like second team All American didn't even sniff it Mm -hmm. like like I'm just not sold on him yet you know like there's something about him that's like I I just can't like I just can't buy into him
0: and I think that it's it's kind of the same story that we have with a lot of the big 10 centers right now I mean Kofi Coburn Travion Williams EJ Liddell and Hunter Dickinson then obviously, Trace Jackson Davis. What do all five of those guys have in common? They both struggle at stretching the floor. Uh, they're both good interior players. Right. But when you talk about uh, stretching the floor, getting out to the exterior, and uh, playing behind uh, definitely uh, the paint and then even outside the, the three point arc, I think that that's where all five of these guys struggle and ultimately why they all landed on coming back to school for another season. Uh, because we know how dominant these guys are in the low post. But when you talk about pushing their games outside their comfort zone, they both – all five of them have a lot of room to grow. Uh, so we'll see which one, which ones of the of those five really take their game, who puts in the work in the offseason, who really takes their game to the next level. I think that Grace uh, definitely has a lot of work to do. I mean, he gets to the free throw line, but then just couldn't hit it at a consistent rate last season – uh, which obviously is a huge uh, weakness when you talk about big men who you know get fouled the most, head to the line uh, at a high rate, and then uh, not being able to knock those uh, foul shots down hurt his NBA draft spot, draft stock. So I think that that Trace has uh, a room, some room to grow. I think bringing in Mike Woodson from the NBA is going to ultimately help his game in the long run, uh, and I think that. He can he can definitely take that next step uh, under Coach Blitzen, but uh, I understand being skeptical about him, and I think it's fair. But I think he does. I think he's one of the ones that I'm more yeah. uh, confident in to take that next step. I mean, comparing him to, to Kofi, I think that Trace has a better. I mean, he's more versatile defensively, uh, but then when you talk about you know being yeah. able to do, little- I do like I do like
1: his. He's a lit, He's a little bit more lanky than Kofi Coburn is, and he's a little bit more athletic and quick. So that does allow him to get out to the perimeter a little bit easier when he's playing defense. While Kofi is more of a force uh, in the paint and by the by the
0: whole, you know. Yeah. I, I think Kofi struggles to stretch his game this year. I do. And I think Trace Jackson's one of the guys that, that probably yeah. uh, can take that next step. And, and time will tell. But I think that this team really goes as far as – Trace Jackson goes and Xavier Johnson go. I mean, those are going to be two of the biggest guys in the big 10 this year. In my opinion, Uh, Xavier Johnson was on a struggling pit team. But him coming to the big 10, I think he's going to ultimately take a much bigger role uh, in the backcourt. So we'll see Uh, Indiana, but I do, I really like Indiana. I think they take a a big step this year.
1: Yeah. And um, uh, speaking of centers, that can stretch their game. Not many players did it, did it better than player of the year last year, Luca Garza. And we had the opportunity to speak with Coach Fran McCaffrey. And for our Iowa preview, we're just going to throw it to that great interview with Coach Fran. So without further ado, here's Fran McCaffrey. All right. And now we are joined by a very special guest, our first Power Five head coach, Fran McCaffrey, the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Coach, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Good to be with you guys.
0: And uh, so let's get right into it. Starting with last year, it obviously didn't end the way you wanted, but what were you able to take away from coaching that team, which is one of the most successful in your time in Iowa?
2: Yeah, we, you know, we accomplished a lot of things last year. Uh, and, and, and we kind of expected, you know, to have a good year. But when you're in this league, Uh, With the incredible talent and the great coaches, you know, I don't think it's ever happened before. You know, we had 12 teams ranked at one time during the season, and that's a first. And that says a lot about the quality of our league because the two teams that weren't were also really good on some days. So uh, obviously, it was a pleasure to coach Garza. Uh, I don't know if. There have been many, if any, college basketball players in history that were as consistent as he was every night, uh, with the focal point of the other team trying to stop him every night. So, obviously, for us this year, it's a challenge when you have that kind of not only offensive production but rebounding and and work ethic. And and he was he was a much uh, he was a very underrated defender. Uh, but uh, you know we, we accomplished a lot of great things. We we we, we had some terrific wins. Uh, we're you know we're a two seed. We had a couple injuries late, which didn't help. But uh, you know a lot of guys really stepped up. You know we Joe Weese camp I thought was spectacular last year. Bohannon was great. Uh, you know I thought uh, Keegan Murray and Patrick McCaffrey were terrific coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. You know Connor was terrific until he got injured towards the end. So, I mean, I really like, uh, you know, what we have. I think you know, with Toussaint and Perkins and Euless, we've got a core nucleus of guys that provide speed and, and and toughness. I think you'll see Chris Murray this year really step up. Uh, now that he has more of an opportunity. And then, again, you know, we still, we, we've got Philip Rebecca as a transfer. We've got Joshua Gundalay and Riley Mulvey in the five spot. And Peyton Sanford is a freshman who is six foot seven and can really shoot the ball. So we've we've got a lot of weapons and, and a lot of depth.
1: And um, uh, you mentioned Philip, but um, uh, you historically you haven't really been a coach that relies a lot on the transfer portal. And you added one dra- grad transfer. Uh, and the transfer portal situation takes off in college basketball. Have you put any thought into sort of adapting to fit the way the game has gone in that regard?
2: Well, the thing about, you know, it, it's often been said about me and, and, you know, you're only going to go into the transfer portal. First of all, it's only existed one year. Uh, you know, you, you could transfer before, but you couldn't play right away. So it, it's only now that you can play right away. And you only go into the transfer portal for any transfers if you have scholarships available. So mm-hmm. people have to leave. Now, what's going to happen now that the NCAA has changed that rule, you might have more people transfer, you know, so you may go into the transfer portal more often. You know, I hope not to because I prefer to recruit guys that I develop and work with. Uh I thought they were good. That's why we signed them in the first place. I don't want them to leave, Uh, you know, but if they do now, there's a, there's a list of potential people that you can sign. Now, the grand, grad transfer rule has been in place for a while. Yeah. So you can, you know, we, we, we have utilized that, you know, most recently with Bakari Evelyn, who was a really good player for us two years ago, helped us, you know, become a team that would have had a really high seed if the tournament had taken place. Mm-hmm. But again, if you're going to bring in a grad transfer, uh, they have to come in with the right mindset. You know, a lot of grad transfers think they're just going to come in and start, and some of them do, and a lot of them don't. Yeah. And you want to make sure that they fit uh, what you're doing and that you uh, incorporate them appropriately so you help them, uh, but they help the team, you know. And, and, and that's what Bakari did, and we'll continue to look at grad transfer possibilities. But uh, if you're bringing in a lot of grad transfers on top of the guys you already have, you can create more problems than the ones you solve. Yeah. And uh, you talked about signing guys and
1: developing them throughout their, their career and that answer. And uh, two guys that you, that you developed very well throughout their four years and three years, respectively, were uh, Joe Wieskamp and Luca Garza. Joe is one of our guys, but um, uh, how, how do you move forward in this next season with trying to keep up with the production that they provided for you guys? Last Those year?
2: two guys were really, special i mean you know that their numbers bear that out i mean joe was really good last year uh, he was terrific his freshman sophomore year but i think last year he took his game to another level and 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 that's why he was drafted 41 uh, as you know it's really hard to get drafted that high i'm thrilled for him to be with the spurs a great organization uh, but just a no-nonsense guy in the locker room a great leader a great chemistry guy team guy and what he did was he just kept working uh you know he could always shoot the ball he could always get to the rim he was athletic but uh one of the most underrated parts of his game was his rebounding i mean you look at his rebounding numbers i mean a lot of shooters that play the small forward or the two guard position don't rebound he was not only a guy that got in there he was really really good at it mm-hmm. and then he became adept at getting that rebound and pushing in himself which when he first got here he was looking to outlet the ball you know and I think that's important for his development we encouraged him to do that and I think what you saw as a guy that was really good when he got here and by the time he left just playing with a whole another level of confidence when he's dribbling the ball what he's doing he was always a competitor defensively and he was never a mistake guy you know, you look at his assist turnover numbers; always were really good. Didn't turn the ball over. You know, Garza is, is just a whole other conversation. I mean, I, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. I've coached some great players. The guys have put up ridiculous numbers. A number of conference players of the year, lottery picks. I've coached, and mm-hmm. uh, like I said before, I mean, it's a heck of a statement that I made. I'll make it again. I don't know how many players, if any, in the history of college basketball were consistent than that guy. Every night, scoring, rebounding, running the floor, doesn't turn it over. He became a really good passer. They always knocked him on. Well, Can he guard a ball screen? He was really good at guarding ball screens for us. And, and I'll tell you, uh, he'll be really good in the pros as well.
1: Yeah, and you spoke about – this is just a quick follow-up question about Luca. You, you mentioned how his defense was something kind of that was always overlooked, but this year in the Summer League and stuff and in the Combine, he really improved on that, and you could see how good he actually was against other guys like him.
2: Yeah, you know, I think when he first got here, he, he, he was a bucket getter. I mean, he could shoot the three, he could score in a post, his footwork, his offensive moves run paralleled and what he did as he progressed through his college years was become really alert defensively and realized and figured out how he can impact a game defensively. He had 55 blocks last year and he can, he can slide his feet and he talls up and he, ma- and he makes you miss uh, you know, a lot of times you don't block the shot, but you get big and you make sure they miss and it triggers our break. And then of course he's the fastest guy down the floor. I was like, well, he doesn't run that fast. Well, he's the first guy down the floor every time. So apparently he's running pretty fast. So, you know, for him, I just was so impressed because he realized the importance to our team's ability to win by playing the way he played defensively. And you're absolutely right. When he performed this summer in the summer league for the Pistons, you know, he was not only effective, he was, he was good. He was blocking, she one five blocks, one game. And he did kind of the same things. A lot of times guys come off the ball screen, they're fast, they're quick, they're trying to get downhill. You know, it's not like you're you're gonna be able to lock up Westbrook. I don't care who you are, but you've got to be able to slide your feet two or three dribbles and, and stay between that person and the basket and make them finish over you. When you got a seven-one wingspan, that's hard to do. All
0: right. Adam and, and then another major change in college sports this offseason was the introduction of the NIL rules. How do you see that coming into play, not only for individual players' sake, but also for entire programs and for recruiting purposes?
2: Well, it's going to impact everything in a dramatic way. And, and, and technically, it's not supposed to impact recruiting. But I think we all understand that the reality of it is that it will, uh, it will become part of the questions that need answers from parents and prospects. You know, when you're talking about the NCAA men's basketball tournament being a, a, a billion dollar entity and the only people that had to be rectified. And it was, uh, the, the, hard part is normally a rule of this magnitude would kind of be worked in gradually and we could kind of f- figure out how it's going to work and and you know set some standards you know the, the, the guys are getting paid there's no market value established you know, i don't know how you would do that but you know you're not going to put limits on one's ability so, well, you can make money, but you can only... We're not going to... Do that. They tried that with the restricted earnings coaching position 20-plus years. There. So I think we're just going to have to kind of struggle through this. Uh, what I plan to do is support my guys and hope they make as much money as they can. Remain focused on getting in the gym and working on their games because that's ultimately what's going to impact everything. I do think... It puts a lot of pressure on a student athlete to be a good citizen. You know, if you want to make money with your name, image, and likeness, you need to have a a good image. So I think that's important. That might be a a positive consequence. Uh, But it also, I think, establishes a situation where the players are thinking along the lines of business and opportunity and networking and life after basketball. Uh, Because at the end of the day, a lot of them won't play in the NBA. Some of them will play overseas, but a lot of guys are going to go on to another livelihood. So this is an opportunity for them to make some money while they're playing, uh, understand how business works, make some connections in the business world that hopefully will be, uh, put them in a position where they're going to be successful down the road. And I'm dealing with it right now with my own two sons who are on the team. So it's been fun to watch that, uh, you know, and I hope it just doesn't get so much. I think, you know, the last part of your question was, how will it impact recruiting? You know, does the, the NIL, coupled with the transfer portal, create a situation where, hey, you know, yeah, you're doing well over there, but come over here, they'll make more money. And you can leave right away. That would be an unintended consequence of, of this rule. Uh, but... You know, we'll just have to figure that out as we go along.
1: And uh, during your time of playing playing college hoops, you played for Wake Forest and Penn. How would that, How would have you benefited off of the NIL rules back then if you were still if, if those were a thing?
2: Yeah, you know, it was it was something that you wouldn't have even thought about. You know, you were in those days, you were happy to get a scholarship. You were happy to play college basketball. You didn't expect it, uh, and and now these young guys are really smart. You know, they can read the internet, they can read the newspapers, and and see the numbers and how staggering they are. Uh, now, the the one thing that I think the NCAA has done a poor job of is explaining what they've done. With that money. I mean, everybody's like, well, where's that money going? Well, the money has typically gone to pay for non revenue sports. Mm-hmm. That's where the money went. So it wasn't like everybody's running around spending it. It was going to non revenue sports, divisions one, two, and three, men and women. Typically, 500,000 student athletes per year were benefiting from the revenue of the men's basketball tournament. So, there again, that's another unintended consequence. That money may go away. Uh, as they restructure everything. I don't know. I hope not. I mean, obviously support other other sports teams on our campus. Mm-hmm. But everything is volatile right now as it, as it relates to NIL, but also the, the, the next question will be, you know, pay for play. You know, because, you know, do we stop here with NIL or do we, do we eventually go pay for play? Now that will be a game changer, especially as it relates to the transfer portal as well. So we're just going to do the best we can to continue. What I've always tried to do is make sure I help our guys get better. I support them through the four years that they're here. I make sure they get a degree. I help them network effectively to find work outside of basketball, help them if they want to stay in the game and try to help them prepare for the NBA. If they're good enough to go that route, we always, you know, root for them. Joe Wieskamp left early. Tyler Cook left early, and we do everything we can to help them secure a position on the NBA roster. And, and thankful for the time that we had with them when they were here.
0: And just recently, it was announced that the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac 12 have formed the alliance, which basically brings the conferences together with a heavy emphasis on interconference scheduling. What does this mean for your program in specific and for
2: all of the other basketball programs that are a part of this agreement? I, I think it'll it'll be more impacted in football uh, to be honest with you. Uh, we already have the, the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Mm-hmm. We presently have the Gavitt Games, which is the Big East Big Ten Challenge. Will it now become a Pac-12 Big Ten Challenge as opposed to a Big East Big Ten Challenge? That's a possibility. It hasn't been decided yet. Uh, I think we will start to play more teams from that conference to answer your question specifically. And when you think about it, uh, think about the markets that that 41 institution grouping encompasses, you know, you've got Atlanta, New York, Boston, Chicago, Denver, San Francisco, LA, Phoenix, uh, I could keep going, but those are major, major markets with incredible numbers of population. So, uh, you know, I think it'll be exciting in some respects. We we haven't played a lot of the, of the PAC 12. Uh, We, since we started the challenge, we played a lot of different ACC teams, but again, you know, we're primarily going East, but now we'll be going West. And I think that'll be great. And um, uh,
1: you and I met this summer at the NEPSAC showcase at um, my high school, um, Avon Old Farms. And you have uh, four New England prep school guys on your roster today. And these schools have always been thought of like a, a thought of as like a breeding ground for hockey, you know, baseball and football now. But why do you think that landscape, that prep school landscape, is starting to become such a major part of national college basketball recruiting?
2: Well, I, I, I think it's always been, but I do think you're right in that it is growing. I think there's a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a high level of basketball. I mean, it's a high level of coaching. You have really good coaches. You have beautiful campuses. You have opportunities to play a lot of games. Some kids are leaving early and going there. Others are doing a PG year. Uh, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, the the Murray twins that play for us, they they did a PG year, uh, so I think sometimes kids just aren't physically ready, and then they go and they not only get ready uh, athletically but academically. You know, those schools that are in the NEPSAC are excellent academic institutions as well. So I think if you're a parent and you're considering that option, that's kind of where you're looking because you want your child to be well rounded in terms of his academic and athletic improvement possibilities. Uh, but I think, you know, going back, I mean, I can tell you for many years, we all made the swing, you know, through New England uh, to, to all of those institutions and, and know all, a lot of those coaches stay there for a long time and they develop great programs with great traditions. And those guys come ready. At the end of the day, that's what they do. They come ready. You know, sometimes they're a year older, but you know, in some states, you, you don't play as many games as they play. So you played more games. You've played against high profile talent. And that's you know what leads to your ability to be successful at the collegiate level.
0: And then last question, real quick before we wrap things up, you guys already have some pretty big matchups on the schedule for the next season. What are the Iowa Hawkeyes trying to achieve in the 2021-2022 season?
2: Well, like we, we talked about that at the outset. We're, we're going to be different. We're going to be younger. I mean, you think about last year at this time, you know, I would say this, and everybody would look at me funny, but it was true. We had seven starters returning. Uh, you know, so this year, you know, when you lose two draft picks uh, and, and, and a lot of three-point shooting, so we, we, we've got some young guys that are chomping at the bit to kind of jump in there and take that playing time that's available. We have a few veteran guys. We're not as big, uh, but I think we're probably a little more athletic and, and I think as deep as we've ever been. So I think our challenge will be, again, to specifically answer your question, is to be, I think, still a running team like we've always been, but, but I think really put a little more pressure on everybody defensively a rotate fresh personnel to kind of keep the speed of the game the way we like it, give a lot of different players opportunity and then, uh, recognize, you know, again, how difficult this league is and how consistent we have to play night in and night out.
0: Coach, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Great to be with you guys. Thanks so much.
1: And, yeah, that was Fran McCaffrey, the head coach, the ever, ever loved head coach across the country. Um, and, yeah, like in that interview, he said, like, not many guys are going to be able to to replace what Luca did, right? Mm. It's going to be very challenging for them to get back to that to that point that they were at last year. Like, for a long time, they were penciled in as the number four team in the country last year, like for a really long period of time. And they obviously lose Luca Garza and they lose uh, Joe Wieskamp. They also lost C.J. Frederick in the transfer portal. So that's three guys. C.J. Frederick obviously wasn't as big of an impact player as both Garza and Wieskamp. But that's three guys that, like, two of those guys, the biggest part of your team, poof, they're gone. Like, there's nothing you can do about that. So what do you think Iowa has to do? To bounce back from losing to those guys and having such a disappointing postseason last year?
0: Well, yeah, they, I think, all in all, when it comes down to a talent standpoint, Iowa probably lost the most. Um, Michigan losing Livers and, and Wagner, and then obviously Mike Smith. But Iowa loses the two guys that really made this team go, and that was camp and Garza. And they do return. Uh, Jordan Bohannon, which I think is pretty big. But uh, this Iowa team, you're going to see, I think they're going to struggle this year. I mean, they bring back uh, a lot of freshmen. I mean, they had a really solid freshman class last year. Keegan Murray uh, and, and Chris Murray, the, the brothers from Cedar Rapids. And then uh, Tony Perkins, I think will take – we kind of saw him start to get some run last year. Uh, and, then, and then Aaron Uless, I think. Iowa has a pretty good freshman class, but I think this is going to be kind of a, a – kind of a – not a bounce back, but kind of uh, a year that they're going to struggle. They're going to learn. I think that that in two years, three years, uh, a lot of these younger guys are going to be set up for success. But right now, Jordan Bohannon, for this Iowa team, talent-wise, this Iowa team is just nowhere near what they were a year ago. And I think that they need to have a lot of guys step up if they want to get back to the tournament, and especially back to where they were last year. Which is a two seed, which I think is just out of the expectation uh, for this Iowa team. In this oh, action. absolutely. Yeah.
1: But um, yeah. Let's let's move on to sort of a a very puzzling team in in Michigan State. Right, they lose Aaron Henry, they lose Rocket Watts, and. They're at a very strange impasse in their program. I think right now is the most important stretch in Tom Izzo's career at Michigan state because they don't have the talent that they had in past years, right? This isn't the, the Cassius Winston. uh, Why am I forgetting? uh, Xavier Tillman. Xavier Tillman. This is the Cassius Winston, Xavier Tillman. Team, You know, that's loaded with talent. This is not that final four caliber team. This is a rebuilt Michigan State team, like rebuilding Michigan State team. And it's going to be a test. Like we know he's one of the greatest coaches to ever play to ever coach our sport. But when he's handed when he's handed adversity, is he going to be able to hand it, handle it the best way he possibly can? You know, like he's at an impasse right now.
0: And I think what Tom Izzo did over the over the course of the offseason was he hit the transfer portal and he got – he assessed what his team needed, what they did well, and what they obviously needed to improve on. And I think what they really needed to improve on and what he understood was this team did not have a point guard last year. They tried to move Aaron Henry into that role. Right. They tried to move Rocket Watson into that role, and it just did not end up uh, very well. And then he went, hit the transfer portal, went and got Tyson Walker – a six-foot guard from Northeastern. And I think that this kid's going to be huge for them this year. Um, Returning talent, guards in the Big Ten isn't as strong. But then you have Xavier Johns from IU and then Tyson Walker, two guys from the transfer portal, I think make this Michigan State team much, much better. Uh, Joey Hauser comes back, redshirt senior. A.J. Hoggard, the sophomore, I think is going to build on a a pretty solid freshman year. I think he's going to take a step up, and I think he's going to benefit – from the play of Tyson Walker. And uh, Izzo brings in a good freshman class, a good freshman class. But along with that, he has a couple of good returning big men Gabe Brown, Julius Marble, Marcus Bingham, and Malik Call, and even right. uh, Maddie Sissoko. Those were all five uh, pretty solid rotation pieces for the Spartans that I think will only build on uh, what they started to last year. And then even Joey Hauser, I mean, I touched on him earlier, but. This Michigan State team is going to be much improved, and I think that what we saw from Michigan State last year—only um, making the first four and then obviously losing in the first four—I don't think that that's going to become uh, the 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 new for Michigan State. I think that they'll be just fine, uh, and I expect them to be right back where they were uh, prior to to the past couple of years. Um, the past year i should say but i think that michigan state's a top four team in the big 10 this year uh along with michigan and purdue and then uh, we'll talk about this team next but the illinois fighting the lineup but i really like the michigan state spartans and and i think that they'll be just as good uh this year as they have been in previous years under Tom Izzo.
1: right i i just don't like i see the leadership and i think that uh, I think that they have the ability to be one of those one of those top four teams. Personally, I just don't see it. But in my opinion, I think this team, what this team needed was a point guard. You obviously mentioned that they, they needed, they tried to force Rocket Watts in that role last year. They tried to force Aaron Henry into that role last year. But they have a true point guard now in Tyson Walker, who had the privilege of watching a few years ago when he was at New Hampton, when he was at New Hampton in New Hampshire. Uh, excellent basketball program up there, but that's besides the point. Um, I mean, he averaged 18 points a game last year in the CAA. Um, didn't, didn't really spread the ball as well as I would like a point guard to only averaged 4.8 assists per game. But obviously that can be improved on, right? Like that's something that can be worked on. And with a system with so many guys with so much experience – I think that he will get better. But personally, I don't see Michigan State making that leap back to what they used to. But anyways, moving on. Let's talk about Illinois, the fighting Illini. Very different roster from last year. Very different. You lose Adam Miller. You lose Io Dosunmu, who were two big players in that team last year. You bring back Kofi Coburn, who was – on the fence on returning, but ultimately decided to return back to Champaign when Coach K, for some who knows reason, said that he didn't want him. He didn't fit their system, and they bring back Andre Curbelo, who who has been a ton a ton of buzz around this season, who's mm-hmm. set to make a jump and supposedly set to make that jump into the upper echelon of point guards in in the country.
0: And and I think that another big guy this year, obviously there's Curbello, uh who who had a good freshman season, but Trent Frazier, Trent Frazier, I think can have a massive year for the align mm-hmm. and I think that he's gonna kind of take this team. I didn't really love this roster, uh, with no Kofi, uh, and Kofi coming back really uh, solidified that top four spot in the Big Ten for me. But when you put this team up toe to toe with with a team like Michigan or, or Purdue. They can absolutely compete. I mean, Kofi comes back. You have that interior presence. You have two really solid guards, Trent Frazier and then uh, Andre Curbelo. But I think that really where they're going to struggle is on the wing. You return to Monte Williams. We'll have to see what Austin uh, Hutcherson brings to the table. We didn't get to see him last year. I mean, there was a lot of buzz around him going into last year. So we'll see if if that, uh, if that he's legit. It, it, this team has a lot of question marks, uh, how they're going to play without Io Iowa DeSumo. Io has been uh, a huge guy for them, especially the last two years, um, all Big Ten first team last year. So you lose a talent like that, uh, there may be some, some struggling points, or maybe a learning curve at the start of the year, but uh, bringing back Trent Frazier was huge, and then obviously Kofi Coburn was astronomical and uh, importance to this team. Illinois, I think, is right there. I have them at, at number two in my Big Ten uh, preseason rankings uh, behind Michigan and then in front of Purdue. Uh, but still, uh, Illinois, I think, has a lot of a lot to be excited about. And I think they're only a disappointing finish to last year, but I still think that they'll have a really solid year.
1: Yeah, and I think that Illinois will still have a solid year as well. I mean, it's impossible to not it, it's not impossible to not be good. It's very hard to not have a successful year when you have the most dominant force in college basketball in Kofi Coburn. I mean, he grabs every rebound, he dunks everything in sight, and he plays elite, uh, he plays a elite paint defense. So, like, it, it's very hard to not have success. And I think that Andre Curbelo is gonna make that leap to an elite point guard and to make that leap into the upper echelon of players in college basketball, and not just guards. But let's move on to. You want to do our predictions now? You want to? You want to give our coach of the year, player of the year,
0: first yeah. team now? Sure, and and we can start. With, right, we can start with player of the year. Sure. Beat us off. Okay. Player of the year. I, I mentioned it earlier and I'm going to stick with it. And I think that's Travion Williams. Uh, I think he's not, he's not a Luca Garza. He's not going to put up Luca Garza numbers, but I see him kind of leading the big 10 like that, where he becomes a matchup nightmare, uh, night in and night out in the big 10. I think Travion Williams takes the step that he needs. Um, I think he'll stretch his game a little bit. I still think he's going to have room to grow. Uh, when it comes to to playing on the on the outside, but I I like Trayvon Williams a lot, and I think that he's going to be the guy uh, for Purdue to uh, to lead uh, and and become player of the year eventually when it when it comes down to it in March.
1: Yeah, and I, I really do like that pick, but um, I think for me, I think the player of the year. I'm in between I'm in between two guys. I'm really in between two guys here. I think the safe pick would be would be Kofi Coburn. And I think I'm gonna make the safe pick. I'm gonna go with Kofi Coburn. I think that he's just far too dominant to not win it. Mm-hmm. Um last year we really saw the Big Ten player of the year really decide the national player of the year. I don't think that we're gonna be having a situation like that like an IO versus Luca, like uh, kind of race. But I I think that Kofi Coburn, it'll come down to Kofi and um and Travion Williams, but I think that Kofi will come away with it. Um, I just think that individually he's far too imposing and he does so much well, you know, that it's like almost impossible to not give it to him. But let's move on to our coach of the year. Since you named player of the year first, I'll give my coach of the year. I think it's Jawan Howard and I don't even think it's close. I mean, with what he's done since he's gotten to Michigan, it's obviously not like he rebuilt the program. He inherited a great program. But I think that the recruiting and the transfer portal and just leading a like, kind of young-ish team last year, kind of an inexperienced team, obviously Isaiah Livers, Mike Smith, like those are the oldest guys on the team. And he brought them to the Elite Eight and had them as, as a one seed when nobody really saw that coming. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's going to do
0: wonders this year in Ann Arbor. So my pick for coach of the year, I think, it is going to be more, so to speak, not with who's the best team, but who did the best job uh, coaching and who took over a program who didn't have the best season in 2020. Uh, but then you you, you fire the coach and you bring in this guy. Who's Mike Woodson. And I think Mike Woodson is going to be big 10 coach of the year this year. I think that the roster that he built is built for success in the big 10. And I, I really do like Mike Woodson. Uh, my opinion has changed uh, extremely uh, to a ton since uh, he was brought in, since he was hired. I really like IU this year and I like Mike Woodson. Uh, so I think I'm going to give, give the, the coach of the year early pick not so much because IU, I think, is going to be the best team in the Big Ten, but I think for the job that Mike Woodson's going to do, I think the evaluation right. that they're going to give uh, of him at the end of the year is worthy of Coach of the Year.
1: Right, and I think a sleeper pick for this is obviously someone that's perennially one of the best coaches in the country, Matt Painter, mm-hmm. and also Chris Holtman as well at Ohio State is a guy that's in the running for this for this award, but um. uh yeah, I feel like that those four guys are gonna be the guys that are at the top of the coach of the year voting list at the end of the year for Big Ten. Um do we want to do a newcomer of the year? Sure, yeah. I like that. Um you can you can kick this one off since I did uh I did I did
0: uh Coach of the Coach
1: year. of the Year first, so you can
0: mm-hmm. uh so for newcomer you want to do freshmen and transfers or just freshmen or just transfers?
1: Um, I personally would just do freshmen. All
0: right. Freshmen. Uh, so kind of a freshman of the year, newcomer of the year. It's hard to not give this one to Caleb Houston, uh, who is one of the top recruits uh, in the Big Ten. I do really like him, uh, but I'm not going to go – Uh, with Caleb Houston I'm going to kind of stick on the Indiana trail I think that Tamar Bates is going to play a pretty big role in what IU is going to do this year I think Caleb Houston there's a lot of guys to to kind of share the wealth in Ann Arbor uh, which isn't the case uh, Mm -hmm. in Indiana Tamar Bates, I think is going to be one of the leading scorers there so I do I really like Tamar Bates Mm -hmm. and I'm going to go I'm going to roll with him for my newcomer of the year preseason pick really high on the Hoosiers this year Yeah, you are very
1: uncharacteristically high on Indiana. I don't
0: know. Um, If I I had to pick one, I don't know if it's just the Bloomington in me. uh, After being there this past weekend, but yeah, I was just
1: I was just gonna say, well, you did just have you did just have an awesome day there yesterday for the Indiana Ohio State game, so there might be a little bit of recency bias in there. Could be. Yeah, but um, for my pick, I'm going with Bryce McGowan's. From um, Nebraska, the first five star in school history. Um, I'm really high on him. Really high on him. He was out on a legacy early college in Florida. Um, I mean, I mean, there's nothing he can't do. I mean, he's an incredible scorer, good rebounder. He's a six six wing. Um, I think he's an incredible athlete. Like he finishes, he shoots, he does everything, and he's my in a newcomer of the year. And I think he's going to have a huge role for this corn Huskers team who is set to have another not great year because Nebraska, obviously not a basketball school. Don't really have a rich tradition of hoops out there in Lincoln, but um, none, nonetheless, I think that he is set to have a big year for, for the, for the Huskers, but moving on first team, first team, all big 10. I'm going to, I'm going to, Get my list off first. So I'm going to have two guards and three big men on it. I have Andre Corbello, I have Jaden Ivey. I have – see, the big men is, like, really where it – really where it slims down. I have Kofi Coburn. I have EJ Liddell. And I have Travion Williams. I five. I don't think Trace Jackson Davis or Hunter Dickinson make it but those are my five, those are my five all first team members.
0: And it's just such a loaded big 10 when it comes to bigs, Uh, the guards, if they did do it uh, by position, I mean, that, that would make it so much tougher, but uh, I'm going to stick with who I think are the best five guys in the big 10 this year. And that happens to be five big men. Uh, We've talked about them a ton. (laughs) Uh, today, and, and I think it's kind of unfortunate that this is the way it goes. I think that it should be guards and, and bigs and be separated, but unfortunately, it's not. So, I'm going to stick with, uh, you know, the five best bigs in the Big Ten Kofi Coburn, uh, Travion Williams, my player of the year, uh, EJ Liddell, and then Hunter Dickinson. I think is going to lead uh, Michigan to another good season, uh, and then, uh, to, to round it off. Ah, uh, Trace Jackson Davis. And I think there's a lot of guys that can knock on the door. I mean, you. I like Jaden Ivey and I like Andre Corbello. Michigan State. I I think that they've probably got a couple guys that, that are going to step up. Um, I don't know if it's Tyson Walker, but Maryland's got a couple transfers that that may uh, kind of try and find their way in. But I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with with the five big men. Uh, as my Big Ten All uh, Conference team.
1: Oh yeah, we should probably talk about Maryland, shouldn't we? Nah. Yeah,
0: we can we can uh, we can touch on them. Um, Maryland. We can
1: have Klein move this around.
0: Yeah. I yeah here.
1: Uh, Maryland, a team I'm really high on. Really high on. They bring in my guy Fats Russell from Rhode Island. I love, love that guy. Excellent scorer, really good scoring guard, one of the premier scoring guards in the country. And they bring in Cutis Wahab, one of the best rebounders and paint defenders in the country from Georgetown who had an excellent big, big East tournament last year in which they won that miracle run, which I, I did predict in January of last year, I said they were going to make the tournament so good on me for that excellent prediction, but um, yeah, I think, that Mar- I think that Maryland and Mark Turgeon and shout out our guy, Danny, Hur- not Danny Hurley, Danny Manning uh, on the coaching staff now, CBB 365 front of the program on the coaching staff down there in College Park. I think they're primed for an excellent season and a top five finish in the Big Ten.
2: Putting
0: Fats Russell in, in a new environment that's not Rhode Island, I think is going to be one of the, the most important storylines in the Big Ten, just because he's going to be asked to do a lot less and I think that's kind of similar to Tyson Walker at Michigan State Tyson Walker had to do a lot of scoring absolutely and you talk about maybe you don't see the amount of production from the assists uh at Northeastern but he also had to do a lot more scoring so I think Fats Russell uh how he's going to handle kind of less of a load playing next to Eric Ayala who's been uh, at Maryland for the past three seasons I think is going to be very important uh and, and kind of uh tell how how good this Maryland team can be. I think Maryland's a tournament team. I'm not as high on them as you are. Uh Kudus Wahab, I think it is is a really good big man. I think he's still kind of on the outside when you talk about uh how good but think about all these all these big men. I mean, how exciting is the Big 10 going to be to to watch this year? Let me talk about how many five. It's going
1: to be I, I could be more competitive than it was last year. Last year was an insane. Like, Northwestern tricked us into thinking they were good last year. Like, there's was a period of time where Nebraska almost knocked off a couple good teams, you know? Like, there's like, Rutgers isn't going to be terrible this year. Like, all these teams, like Penn State, not going to be bad this year with, with Micah Shrewsbury at the helm. It's going to be just another banana lands year in the Big Ten.
0: And, yeah, you Team, team by team, but even just talking about the matchups we're going to see, I mean, the fives. I mean, oh. every, every night we're going to get to watch a premier big man, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country. It's going to be really fun to watch. Right. Uh, so this Big Ten, I mean, this was a, a perfect one to get it started. I mean, big thanks to Fran McCaffrey uh, for coming on. But, but oh, yeah, absolutely. But no, absolutely. This Big Ten is going to be really fun this year.
1: Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that wraps things up for us here at CBB365 with Adam Hipsky and Patrick Dallaghan. Keep an eye out. More previews coming soon. They're going to be coming in fast. They're going to be coming in hot. The season is cl- so close. We can almost taste it. But, yeah, thank you guys for listening.